0: Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherds Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching.
1: Again. Well, we are stepping back into our series again. Uh, as most of you know, we've been in about a year now in the life of Jesus and have looked at many facets including the teaching of Jesus through the Sermon of the Mount. But uh, right now we're in the healings of Jesus and we're going to go through a handful of two of the healings that Jesus performed and look at the uniquenesses as well as the similarities between them. So what we decided to do, we're going at least for the last couple of weeks, uh, is we're going to start out with some kind of tear joker uh, video to make everybody in the mood. Oh, that's right. you gave me a real look because you weren't here last week. All these guys, they, they know. They know. Where were you last? I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I thought. <laughs> I know. I know exactly where she was. Um, but we were watching some videos starting out of not miracles, but like modern-day healings where something changes in a snap for someone and uh, how they react to kind of get a little bit of a glimpse just to kind of get things going on what it might have been like to be there to the healing for Jesus and what kind of things you might have seen. Uh, last week, we looked at a young lady who um, could hear for the first time. They had a device where they turned it on and she was able to hear what Mama says. She loved her. Oh, that's the first here, Billy. I said, mama. Uh, of the, um, and everybody down home in West Virginia, if they're watching this, are like, yay, look. We infected him, um, <laughs> but, uh, and then I kind of show. This one is actually one of my favorites, but I, I probably won't watch this one either, uh, that some of you guys might have seen. I'm not sure where I ever found it in the first place, but it's a gentleman who's like 66 years old, who's been colorblind his entire life, and his family buys him those glasses that you can put on and see color uh, for the first time in his life. So just to kind of get a, a, a whistle's wet, we'll watch that for a few seconds.
0: Happy, Happy birthday, dear baby. daddy. Yeah, okay. Happy, birthday Happy birthday to you. To you. <laughs> How old are you now? <laughs> 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 oh, there's there's something for you to open. I'm younger than you. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like better a brother to a sister. Yeah. birthday, baby, from okay. all of us. Happy birthday. What is it? Put them on. Put them on. The sunglasses. <laughs> How does it look? Oh, that's weird. Look at the balloons. <laughs> Can you see with our eyes now, baby? Can you, what colors you see? Those. You see colors now? Oh, the trees are neat. <laughs> 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 now you have rose colored glasses, so baby. Now you see with our eyes. Do you like the balloons? No. Oh. Turn around, what about the flowers on <coughs> the house?
1: It looks
0: like braider mud.
1: (laughs) Now I know at the end it looked like he was about to grab Hubu in, but he didn't. Okay. (laughs) That was a bad edit on my part. (laughs) um, Let's go to Luke 7. Luke chapter 7. Uh, We are picking back up to the healing right after last week's. If you weren't here last week, last week was the faith of the centurion, a Gentile man, a Roman um, soldier, per se, that had concerns over his servant, who was uh, paralyzed and in great pain. And uh, we went back and went through that as far as some of the points that stood out in that particular healing. This is the one that's right after it. Um, And I think that they purposely, or Luke, purposely put these two together. This particular uh, testimony is only found in Luke, which is pretty common for Luke because he had a very big heart for people who were downtrodden or people that were considered uh, lowly in the culture that they had at that time. So I'll read it, we'll talk about it, and we'll see what we find. So now verse 11 says, Soon afterward, again right after this miracle with the centurion, he, being Jesus, went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and he touched the bear, or the, the, the casket, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Since the partner healings, we're going to kind of go through a similar Way of studying it. So, we're going to have to start out like we did last week and look at the cast of characters. Again, we have Jesus, which we're growing in our knowledge of and going to be more like him. So, we'll explore him more as we go through the study. Um, We also have the town. Last week, we talked about a canon where where Peter lived and that that was basically the closest thing Jesus had to a home during his public years of ministry. This time, we have a town called Nain. We have a lot that we know about. Um, can, uh, can well i just say Peter's hometown yeah thank you but, the, the, but Nain we don't know a lot matter of fact this is the only time it's mentioned in the scripture the only time and this is the only thing Jesus pretty much does in Nain so in other words the thing that we can put together into this is that Jesus came here for this this is his reason for coming I truly believe that I know that it is 25 miles away from Caponium, that southwest of Caponium, so it's a heck of a haul to get to Nain, especially without cars, without buses, without bikes, whatever the case would be. There was, there, there, this is a long journey to be able to get there for this particular case scenario. And it is closer to Judea, which is why we see that those areas. Remember, if you remember Galilee, is up, or Galilee is up high, Samaria is kind of in the middle. Judea is down here. We're getting kind of down to the tip of it, so we're getting closer to that uh, Judean influence. So Nain within itself is a journey for this particular purpose. Now there's a couple more things I can tell you about Nain, but I'm going to hold them to the end, because I think it's going to come in better once we do the study about what, why Nain, I think, is so significant. So we have a uh, Jewish mom, we have the dead son, we have the two groups headed to meet. And that's the, the part that I think is kind of interesting If you're going to do the biblical imagination, which is what we said we were going to do, is informed biblical imagination, this is kind of an interesting scene to think of, that Jesus and his following, his disciples and others, who are following him because he just healed the centurion's servant, and they were part of all that, there's a large crowd, according to what Luke tells us, coming into town. There's a large crowd coming out of town. Both crowds are more than likely mostly Jewish, uh, especially the crowd coming out of town. And they come and they meet. And that's a good visual to have as we look at what happens after this case. So two, basically it's a grouping of two groups coming together for this one encounter that God had set up for Jesus. So with that, we'll do our points for our note takers. The first point is this. We don't deserve his move, but he does move. Anybody remember that one? That's last week's first point. Matter of fact, every point that you're going to get today is the exact same as last week. I didn't even change out the PowerPoint. It's not because I was on a trip, because we're looking at it from the similarities with the points and the uniquenesses of the details that make up that point. Okay, you guys still with me? Yeah. So, so if you took notes last week, you can just kind of fill in gaps around. Um, but when we looked at this last week, we talked about a spiritual truth, that we don't deserve his move, that we are... Sinners, that we are born into sin, that we don't deserve salvation. Yet, we are saved when we accept Jesus as leader and forgive in our lives by acknowledging with our mouth He's the Son of God, believing in our hearts He died and rose again and following Him. So, He gives us that move. But we also see this play out within the culture. Last week, it was for a Gentile Roman uh, centurion, and he didn't deserve it, so he sent the elders of the Jewish community around him to talk Jesus in to helping him out from that standpoint? Uh, in this case, we have a little bit of a different detail. Yes, she's Jewish. So it's, she has that going for versus the, the, the centurion last week. However, in this culture, in this time, she's also a woman. And so it's not like a rabbi's coming out and he wants to help out this this, this man of faith. It, it, a woman is looked at as property, generally, in the, the in the community. They're not looked at. In a way that is respectful by today's standards, in any way, shape, or form. So she's low on the bar already. As she, we continue to learn more about her, we find out that she's a widow. In this culture, in this time, that takes her down a notch. They're not necessarily always kind to the widows. If you have a widow, what we say in Peter's story, the oldest son has to take care of her, and because the community doesn't want any any part of that. Here's her only son. He's now dead. That's gone. Takes it down even another step. And the community is not kind to widows in many ways, especially the Jewish religious leaders. Matter of fact, I'll give you this reference um, if you want to look it up later. It's Luke 20, verse 47. And read around it as well. But th- that's specifically where Jesus is going off on the religious leaders because they devour their widows. They don't take care of them. They don't feed into them. They don't love on them. They're just considered as something that's kind of, again, out of sight, out of mind. So she's not at the top of the totem pole, even within the woman uh, end of things, within this Jewish community. And then we find her at her most vulnerable time of her life, not just because her son has died, but because of how the community, at least the religious leaders, are seeing her in this particular moment. There's a reason that she's leading the processional. And it's not a place of honor. It's not, it's not something that they do because she was this mother that they, they beloved and they care about. matter of fact, I'll, I'll read this section because I, I don't think I can regurgitate this really as well as he wrote it. Um, but again, in that uh, commentary on Luke, um, it says, According to Jewish custom in the first century, the widow would have been at the head of the funeral procession. The rabbis decreed that women who brought death into this world ought to lead the way in the funeral procession so in addition to the grief of having lost an only son guilty humiliation accompanies the widow as she walks ahead of the crowd i'm telling you it's your woman's fault you guys brought sin into the mix that's what they think i don't have to you guys already messed it all up oh i'm getting hillbilly again hey so she's at the worst of the worst She's not necessarily deserving from how the rabbis would see her, how the church would see her at that time. But Jesus sees her. Jesus moves. Second point that we talk about. As is Jesus isn't, show, isn't for the show, he isn't for the worldly standards. If you really want to th- think about something at the one, you know another reason why Jesus loves her and cares for her? His mom's gonna be in the exact same place as her in a year or two. Jesus isn't for show or for worldly standards. Um, keep in mind when he's here in Nain, he is unknown. 25 miles southwest, he's, he's unknown. It's not like they said, hey, wait, stop the funeral. Here, here comes Jesus. They say he's the Messiah. He says he can heal people, says he can raise the dead. Maybe something can change. Actually, this is the first recorded raising of the dead that we have in Jesus' ministry at all. At all. So he's unknown. He starts a processional, gives compassion to the widow, and he touches the coffin. Doesn't sound all that scandalous, but think of the last funeral that you've been at for someone that you truly care about. This is odd. This is, this is something that is going to not just like catch their attention, but be like, what the heck is up with this guy and this group of people? If, if, if I, again, I'm, I'm going to go back to, to my mom's uh, funeral. If we got to the cemetery... And so, in our case, it's going to be a little bit different. They're bringing, a, bringing her in, and then the family comes up, and the friends come up, and there's a large group of people waiting there for us, and we have no clue who they are. That's odd, right? I mean, just thought that. That's odd. They're ca- coming towards the same thing. We don't know who they are. Now, some people might say, well, maybe that's friends of the family, or maybe they are friends of Tom, or whatever the case may be. But that's just a, an odd feeling. And then to be going to where she's going to be laid to rest, and the leader of that group comes up and starts talking to the mother, who is in massive grief, that's going to throw her off. I mean, I I remember people coming up to me at mom's funeral that just didn't, I I didn't remember them, I didn't know them or whatnot. It's it's a weird feeling, let alone to come up and say, hey, can you just stop the processional for a second? I want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you right now. What do you have to say to me? There's no way, shape or form that I would be comfortable with that situation. And then he goes up and opens up the casket. I'm beating this guy. Right? I mean, the, the, this, the, it doesn't make sense in any way, shape, or form. And he doesn't care. On top of it, we, we've talked about this stuff before. And you know this, this is true. I'm, I'm, I'm now just repeating things. But Jesus, as a Jewish man, goes up and touches the coffin. What happens? He's unclean. He's unclean. By the stands of all the religious leaders who are making her walk in the front to make this point that it's woman's fault that we'll all sin and die, Jesus goes up and touches it and doesn't care what they think. Because one of the things about Jesus that's awesome is he reverses the flow. It's not the the cleansiness that comes into him from whatever he touches. It's the cleansiness that comes from him into them. And so Jesus doesn't care about those things. He doesn't care about those limitations that we put into place. Third point we had last week, and we'll play with it again, is faith matters. Faith matters. And this is the one I definitely wanted to hit today because if we just go by the standalone of last week's testimony, we can get a pretty jacked-up understanding of what this point means because there's... uh, movement in faith communities in certain areas that if you come for prayer for healing and you're healed, all praise and honor to God. If you're not, you didn't have enough faith. And I want to tell you that's crap. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember, hey, here's a movie I can actually recommend to you guys to watch after Blazing Saddles and National Le Vacation. We'll give you something that the family can watch. leap of faith anybody watch that old steve martin movie mike you're a good man okay leap of faith i don't know early 90s mid 90s something of that nature and uh steve martin plays a uh, a guy that's a, a minister revivalist and he goes from town to town with the big tent thing and he does all the healings and knocks him over and everything uh and he's a sham and they show you all the behind the scene of how how they're doing and all this other stuff and their catch to phrase for anybody who says they were not healed is you, you just didn't have enough faith, didn't have enough faith. Now, I suggest you watch it because he does end up having somebody actually gets healed, and he has to deal with that, and it's, it, it really ends up being pretty good. But there are many, I believe, out there that say, say that, that junk about you didn't have enough faith, and I can't imagine a more cruel thing to say to somebody who has faith in the Lord and find out he has a different path for them than the one that they want. I think it's horrendous. See, like last week, you remember the healing kind of happened as a byproduct after Jesus was amazed at the faith of the Gentile versus those in the Jewish community. That was huge for him. It was just amazing. One of only two times that Jesus is amazed in Scripture. Here, show me the faith. Show me the faith. It doesn't come, The woman has no idea what's going on. The, the, the crowd has no idea what's going on. The faith is the faith of Jesus because Jesus can still do what Jesus wants to do when he wants to do it. So if you come with the faith of a mustard seed, come with that faith of the mustard seed. If you come with all full faith that amazes Jesus, come with the full faith that amazes Jesus. But don't be surprised if every once in a while he gives you something before you even ask. I think he likes for us to ask because then we remember where it came from instead of thinking it's just some kind of change of circumstance. And faith can block us from what God wants in our life. Don't get me wrong, there's a full context of scripture around this. We can't please God without faith. Faith is extremely important, but why faith matters, it could be the faith of your Lord even when you're at your bottom and you come with very, very little. It's the reverse flow of Jesus. And let's see, the next one that we had last week is everything is turned upside down. Everything is turned upside down. Man goes from being dead to sitting up and speak. It's one of the things one of the commentators wrote, and I never really thought about it. He goes, man, I really wish Luke told us what he said. Like, what what do you say in that situation? You're dead and you wake up and you start to speak? What? Yeah, there you go. Where's lunch? Mom, her life is turned upside down. The crowd <laughs> turned upside down. We 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 talk about uh, the awesomeness of us recognizing the Lord's authority, that the absolute Lord is Lord absolutely, and even the the song we were singing doing um doing the offering today is talking about the the the. the that there is only one God and just how how beautiful he is and how awesome he is. Uh, But part of that awesomeness, if you can't get your mind about God, can be fear. And that's what we find here. They don't know what to think. They've they've not heard any of these testimonies as of yet. So they attribute it to him being a prophet. Um, I am curious, and I need to do some more study on this. Um, If they get or where it falls into the line of the messianic miracles. Uh, In in the, the, the Jewish community, there was four miracles that was deemed by everybody. It was across the board. It was down in writing. There was only four miracles that only the Messiah who will come can do. If you ever see anybody do one of these four miracles, he's the Messiah. That's how diehard they were on it. So much so that he did all four of them and they still denied him. But here's the four messianic miracles. One is cleansing the leper. Lepers are beyond hope. There's nothing you can do for them. Only the Messiah can cleanse a leper. Only the Messiah can, uh, can kick out or remove or rebuke a deaf and dumb spirit. Because it's deaf, it's dumb. It can't hear me yelling at it, no matter what I say. Only the Messiah can kick out a deaf and dumb spirit, which Christ did. Only the Messiah can heal birth defects something that you've had since you were born. So if I had an accident and I was blind from three years ago and someone healed me, that's not a messianic miracle. Why? Because maybe my, my, my eye went back into line. Maybe a number of things could happen. But if I was born blind and healed from blindness, only the Messiah can change what you're born with. And the fourth one is raising the dead after the person's been dead for three days. One day, two days, might have been a coma. After three days, it's impossible. Only the Messiah can do that. That's the full messianic miracles. I want to study more to see how long this guy was dead, if we know. My guess is, from what I know the customs of the time, it's not been three days. It's not been three days. For, the, for them to be taking him out to his place of rest is probably the day after he passed. But I do want to verify that before I start talking like that, some kind of gospel message to you. Um, but nonetheless, somebody raised from the dead in front of you still freaks you out, still gets your attention. So they at least know that he's a prophet. They are amazed at him because he's the one that was carrying the faith in this moment. He's the one that God walked through. And, of course, this applies to our life. Right When we're at the, at the lowest and we're in a crappy place like, like the woman, we don't think that there's any hope. Jesus moves forward. He brings a healing. Everything changes. We, know, we, we see that commonly in the healings, and we should be amazed. We should be amazed. I'm going to bring in something else. If you want, you can lose your place there, and I'll try to chatter a little bit to give you time, but we're going to Song of Solomon. I don't know how many people know where that's at because we don't go to it a whole heck of a lot, do we? Old Testament, after Psalms, after Proverbs, not too far past that. Psalms seems to be an easy one to find. Don't be afraid to use your tabbies or to take and use your index uh, if you're using a paper Bible in front of you uh, to be able to find this one. But Song of Solomon is kind of a unique book of the Bible. I'm just going to, there's a little side note to Michael. Michael, I stood that whole time until I grabbed this chair. I don't sit all the time making fun of me before church today. I sit down when I'm about to make a big point. You ruined it, Monica. You ruined it. <laughs> Here's the thing about Song of Solomon. Um, well, for instance, I remember I, I've shared several times that I took a ton of English classes in high school because I found them easy. That's not bragging because I found nothing else in school easy except for English. And one of the classes that we had back then was uh, Bible as a Literature. We weren't allowed to take and study it as the word of God, but we could study it as a a literature piece. There's 66 books in this book. Uh, There's all kinds of different writing styles within this book. Song of Solomon is one of the books that's really kind of poetry based. And it's written between Solomon, King Solomon, uh, and his bride. And it is, uh, in its own way, very romantic very much about how much they love each other, has some very bizarre metaphors compared to what we would say today, um, and has its own feel to it. But in the same way, uh, many, including myself, believe that the move of the Spirit on this piece, instead of just peeking into this love life from several thousand years ago, is that Solomon represents God, and the bride represents us, the church. And so that many of the things that are written within this are very fitting for our worship of how we see God. And so in uh, Song of Solomon, I'm going to go to, I don't think I told you chapter, did I? Five. Chapter five. I was going to read a a select portion, um, 10 to 16. Like I said, there's going to be some odd phrases. If you ever just want to kick, uh, go on YouTube and look up Song of Solomon, Mark Lowry. And he has a song on this that's quite fun. Uh, based off of uh, Amy Grant's Baby Baby. It's pretty funny. But anyways, verse 10. This is the bride. So in this uh, this case, this will be us talking about God. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. His head is of the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid more. His arms are rods of gold, set with jewels. His body is polished ivory, bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns, set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. And he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. I do believe we have to get more awe when it comes to God. But I think it also needs to be balanced with yet another way of seeing him that lets us know how much he loves us with the power that he has. He is altogether desirable. The word used for desirable here can be translated into several, just like many things, like very similar words, but there different uh, wording within it. And um, if you look at the King James Version, I kind of like the way that this is translated a little bit uh, better. Uh, 16 says, Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. I like that word, lovely. I like that word, lovely. The city of Nain is translated just like all other names. All names mean something, and the two two ways that are, again are always very similar. One is uh, green pastures, is is what this 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 town is is named after, and and you know if you have ever I think we got beautiful places here in Ohio. Don't get, get me wrong. But for some reason, we always think of that at home, and then we think about these other places. So, like, if I think about the Smokies, then being down in the Smoky Mountains, or so just coming home uh, with Dad from West Virginia and just marveling at the hills and the river. Uh, we stopped by Hawk's Nest for a little bit, and uh, I grabbed a cup of coffee, and I got some iced tea, and we just sat there looking out over the beauty of it. There's just something beautiful and peaceful about that. The other translation for Nain is lovely, lovely. And when I bring these two together, it seems to be an invitation that, if I'm gonna use my biblical imagination, my own biblical imagination, to step away from thinking about the two groups converging and seeing this from like I'm an outsider, to trying to put myself in the place of the widow. And not what she's thinking as far as the crowds or the uniquenesses or the misunderstandings, but in our worst case scenarios, and we've all either been there or we're there now, whatever we're going through that is overwhelming, whatever we're going through that, that seems to be uh, larger than we could possibly carry, whatever it is that makes it seem like we're not sure how we're even going to get to tomorrow. To look through her eyes and simply see the face of Jesus when he walked up to her. Altogether lovely. His love, his heart, his compassion, his brokenness, his concern, not setting up some kind of show where he can take and get more followers and get more acclaim, but simply to be there for her and meet her need, to turn everything upside down for her in such an amazing way with amazing loveliness. There's too many people in this world that won't look at him because they're afraid the way he's gonna look back. Way too many people. He loves you. He needs his love to go through you to others. And this world needs to be amazed at the lovely, beloved and friend that we have in Christ.
0: If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherds Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.